The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org.
All right, good evening. We're going to go ahead and call this meeting to order. I'd like to welcome to our commission meeting tonight on September 6th. For those of you who are here for the first time, I'd like to just walk through our agenda and process as I want to make sure that everyone who wants to speak has an opportunity to be heard without being interrupted. Uh, so just so you know, this is an official city meeting with city business to be conducted. We will start the meeting with an opportunity to comment on specific action items, and then we'll move through a number of items that we need to vote on. We do have one scheduled public hearing tonight on our housing and community development programs. So I'll kick that off a little bit later in the agenda. If you're here to speak on that, I'm going to ask you to stay put until we open up that public hearing. And then at the end, we'll have public comment on other issues. So for public comment, we have a number of meeting procedures and expectations. We ask that you come to this podium up here, uh, that you share your name, the city that you live in, and you'll be provided up to three minutes to speak. We want to make sure that this is a safe place for everyone involved and ask that you refrain from clapping, cheering, booing, using profanity, vulgar, vulgar language, threats, name calling, or making derogatory comments. These actions are disruptive to the meeting and can inhibit free speech of others. If you use profanity or engage in threatening language, the microphone will be shut off for the remainder of the time allotted. If there are disrupted actions, disruptive actions or a breach of peace, I will ask the individual or individuals to stop and if it continues, I'll ask them to leave. So public comment is an opportunity for all voices to be heard despite whether people in attendance or elected officials agree or disagree with what is being said. People have a right to speak without being screamed at or criticized or disrupted by others in attendance. And despite your own opinion or personal beliefs or values, people have a right to come and speak about whatever topic they wish, including their religious beliefs, whatever they may be. So again, this meeting is a lawful assembly of a governmental body and disrupting the order of the meeting is a breach of peace. So with that, we'll get started. Uh, and I'll ask that you join me for a moment of silence before we move to a Pledge of Allegiance. Thank you. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. Next, we'll have roll call. Commissioner Moody? Here. Commissioner Jones? Here. Commissioner O'Connor? Present. Commissioner Asasi? Present. Commissioner Lanier? Present. Mayor Bliss? Yes. And commissioners? Commissioners, can I get a motion to excuse Commissioner Reppert tonight? So moved. Support. Support. All right, moved and supported. All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Thank you. All right, next we'll have uh, City Clerk, we have an interpreter with us tonight. I don't see anybody in the room. Okay. Oh, oh, hello. Welcome. If you want to come up, we do have interpretation services available, so if you need assistance with that, um, please let us know. Hello. I'm Keith. I'm the interpreter tonight. Great. Can, can you say that in Spanish as well, Keith? Me amo Keith. Soy el intérprete esta noche. Buenas noches. Thank you. Appreciate that. All right, next I will take us to comments on agenda items. So these are agenda items that we voted on earlier today in one of our standing committee meetings. We ask that you come forward, share your name, the city that you live in, and for this public comment period, we ask that you be explicit about what action item you're speaking about. 
Hello, I'm Emma. Um, I live in Grand Rapids. Um, I'll be speaking on items 2, 3, 6, and 9 from the Community Development Committee um, and 2 and 10 from Fiscal Committee if I have time. Um, so we'll start with number 2. Um, the $6.5 million for 40 new apartments and commercial space um, at 280 Ann Street Northwest. Um, so this will be 40 apartments that are at market rate, um, which is just not a possibility for most residents to, um, to afford, um, and it's clearly profit motivated. Um, and this, again, I'm seeing, there's several items. I can't speak on everything on the action items um, in three minutes, but there are several that are profit motivated. Um, and these resources could be used to actually better the city and better um, the lives of citizens, particularly, um, I'll speak on affordable housing and healthcare, just their two forefront issues. Um, Number three, again, um, 18.6 million this time um, over in the Creston area. Um, again, for market rate, um, mixed use. Um, and this one is particularly glaring because the Creston neighborhood area has faced um, a huge amount of gentrification. Um, and for to add 110 market day rate residential units there um, just seems outrageous to me. I've worked in that community a lot, particularly with affordable health care um, and the amount of just citizens who can't afford health care, let alone um, housing. It, that's just not possible. This is what's what's going to happen is those who are rich, who can afford these market rate um, rental rates, um, which I'm sure this body and the community knows rental rates are just at an all-time high. There's um, the majority of the population cannot afford that. Um, and this protects nothing. Um, this new housing protects nothing, um, but only makes the wealthy richer um, and or gives more money to the city to be used um, in a bad way. Um, I'm just going to skip to fiscal number two, um, or number 10. Um, so this was a huge thing too. All of these are in the, yeah, millions, um, huge portions of the budget. When you think of the, what is D. Jones's favorite project? The community, whatever, where the, where the people get a say in, um, Majority, yeah, um, that's only one million. So you think of these things um, that are 18, four, 4 million, 17 million almost. Um, and um, primarily only to prettify the neighborhood. This one was for um, development of the River Edges Trail, um, which again, that would be used to displace the unhoused. I'm completely certain. Um, and another space that is now pretty that they are unable to be on because it makes the place look bad. Thank you. All right, anyone else on agenda items? All right, I'll close that public comment period and I'll take us to approval of the minutes. Commissioners, can I get a motion to approve our minutes from our August 23rd meeting? So moved. Support. All right, moved and supported. Any questions or comments? All right, all those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? It carries. All right, next I will take us to petitions and communications. Communication received from Matthew Wakander, CEO of Smith, Howie, Rice, and Rogie, describing recent events risking health, safety, and business climate. That is received and filed. That will take us to reports of city officers, and we have two items before us tonight. First one is a treasurer's report for the period of August 10, 2022 through August 25, 2022. 
That is received and filed. And the comptroller's report for the period of August 10, 2022 through August 23, 2022 in the amount of $15,573,500.09. And that is also received and filed. All right, next that will take us to our consent agenda. So our consent agenda are items that are on our agenda that we discussed earlier today at one of our standing committee meetings uh, where there was a unanimous vote. So tonight with one voice vote, we will adopt those items. Commissioners, can I get a motion for the consent agenda? Vote. Support. All right, moved and supported. Any additional questions or comments? All right, all those in favor say aye. Aye. Those opposed, it carries. All right, next that will take us to our scheduled, our scheduled public hearing because we don't have any ordinances before us tonight. Uh, and so tonight we have a public hearing to consider past performance and future needs of our housing and community development programs. So what I'd like to do for this item is bring up uh, Ms. Connie Bohach, who oversees our housing and community development programs, to provide a brief overview. Uh, commissioners, then I'll turn to you to see if you have any questions or comments. And then if you are here tonight to be heard on this item, uh, I'll open it up for public comment after Ms. Bohach is done. Thank you. Hi, welcome. Good evening. Um, so this is a public hearing um, tonight to, to obtain comment on our housing and community development programs, um, and specifically um, information that's contained in the Consolidated Annual Performance and Evaluation Report, which we like to refer to as the CAPER, because that's such a long <laughs> name. And this um, applies to the federal fiscal year um, 2021. So just to give some context, um, the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development has requirements for us to obtain these uh, federal programs that we use on an annual basis. We have three entitlement programs, the Community Development Block Grant, the Home Investment Partnerships Program, and the Emergency Solutions Grants Program. And they require three things from us. The first is a consolidated housing and community development plan, and that serves as our strategic plan to address housing and community development needs and priorities. Um, it guides the investments um, for those three programs programs and it covers a five-year period. So we have a consolidated plan in place and then on an annual basis they require that we submit an annual action plan. The annual action plan um, identifies um, what we plan to spend in that in a one-year period and um, with those specific um, sources of funds and the activities that we plan to undertake um, in doing that. So that's a period of July 1 through June 30th of every year. Um, and it also identifies the amount of investments for those projects or how much we plan to spend. Um, then the third thing that they require from us is the CAPER. And that is basically a, a document that um, identifies the fiscal and programmatic performance. Um, and we report to the federal government um, in our annual action plan what we propose to do. And then the CAPER tells them what we've actually completed in that one year time period. So again, that covers, matches the July 1 through June 30th timeframe um, at, at, at the most recently completed year. <clears throat> When we do that um, annual action plan, um, we are looking at projects that um, invest for investments that we can accomplish um, these eight outcomes. And so we go through a solicitation process, we invite proposals, and then we um, invest in projects that can accomplish one or more of these eight outcomes. And there's some detail there about all of those outcomes, areas. Um, then what we do is, um, so tonight, actually, this 
public hearing is specifically targeted for the CAPER that, um, so we can get views from citizens about um, what, how they view our performance during this one year period. Um, it covers the period of July 1, 2021 through June 30th of 2022. And this represents the first year of our existing five-year plan. And we are also asking for um, citizens to also provide information or, or comments about what they think community needs are that we can address with future programming. And so we'll consider those comments as part of our um, funding process coming up. Um, which would kick off in um, mid-December mid or early December. The comment period is from, uh, is, uh, sorry, will be open through September 16th. We had published that to be through September 12th, um, but we have found that there was some um, information um, for a very short period of time was removed from our website, so we've extended that time period. And so citizens can comment either in person tonight at this public hearing or in writing, and we'll take that through September 16th. And we can receive emails at communitydev at grcity.us or through the mail. So when we pr produce the caper, um, it's a very um, lengthy document, and our existing one is just under 70 pages, has a, a lot of information, so that's available um, for the public to review. We also then try to condense that into a smaller document um, that really just focuses on some um, some, uh, some high higher level outcomes, and that gets condensed to about a 13-page document, um, if anyone's interested in looking at those. And then tonight, I tried to roll that information up even higher, um, just to provide you some context for um, accomplishments that are, that are in, within the caper. And obviously, that document has much more detail, and then again, you can tear it down to our um, investment report. Um, so for outcome one, prevent and resolve episodes of homelessness, um, we have um, over 2,000 people obtain assessments to help resolve their housing crisis. 111 households received some sort of financial assistance or services that supported them to um, remain stably housed or averted them from homelessness. Um, in terms, we've had over 200 hours of fair housing education activities that were conducted in the community with over 8,000 participants. 528 people received some form of legal counseling or representation to help resolve a housing-related matter. Um, we've supported construction or the significant rehabilitation of 103 housing units. And to, through this report period, 38 units have been completed and 65 are underway in some various stages of progress. Um, we have um, impacted, um, we've had over 5,500 code compliance cases that have addressed have been addressed, and over 71% of those have been brought into compliance in our community to preserve housing stock. We have 89 vacant or abandoned homes that were returned to productive reuse, and um, nearly 450 um, homeowner units received minor repairs that promoted health, safety, and energy efficiency improvements. We've also had over 5,000 people that were educated on uh, with this, I'm sorry, in partnership with our neighborhood associations, over 5,000 people were informed or educated about um, neighborhood leadership or civic engagement oppor opportunities, and over 1,700 people um, became actively in engaged and involved in their neighborhood association um, within their community or city of Grand Rapids boards or committees. Um, in terms of improving community safety, 
4,800 people have been, um, again, through partnership with our neighbor associations, um, received some form of education on a variety of public safety topics. We've had over 1,000 homes or public spaces that's received some type of safety improvement that's typically through a SEPTED type assessment. Um, we've had 86 people that received mental health services, and 91% of those um, reported um, increased functioning um, in their quality of life through that program. Um, in terms of economic opportunity, we had 134 youth and adults that received job training or readiness um, training, uh, received job training or readiness uh, training and support, and that included 72 women who were returned to our community after being incarcerated, so had help with um, removing bar barriers to employment. And in our final outcome in this particular year, we did not make any investments in that area. So that's very high level um, information of the types of um, accomplishments that you might find in the CAPER. And um, the timeline. So um, tonight we have, so the City Commission established a public hearing. Um, they set that date at one of your public meetings. We published that information um, and the opportunity for the comment period on August 25th. And the CAPER has been available since August 25th. So we have our public hearing tonight for verbal comments. And then we will receive written comments through September 16th. And then we will submit that final document to the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development on the 23rd of September. So again, there's some information if uh, where to find the CAPER and the um, um, investment report. I do have a copy out here, um, two copies available out here, as well as some of the smaller reports available tonight. Great, thank you. Uh, commissioners, uh, any comments? I'll, I'll add, um, I'll start just with a comment. Uh, I've had a chance to review the draft. It is quite comprehensive and thorough, so commissioners hope you had a chance to do that. Uh, and again, uh, for those listening, it will be available and you can comment uh, in writing up until September 16th. So, commissioners, any uh, questions or comments for Ms. Bohach? Uh, Commissioner Murphy? Thank you, Ms. Bohach, for this report. <clears throat> the question that I have on the 82 vacant, 80, 89 vacant homes. Yes. Is there a breakdown as to what areas those homes were in? Um, I don't have that tonight, but I could provide that to you, yes. Okay, and then my next question is the uh, 72 women who returned from incarceration. Uh, what type of economic development are you planning to do with them? So they participated in a, a program through a nonprofit organization that helped provide um, job readiness and job training support and some other um, supports to help them um, get into um, employment. Will there be some follow-up on them as they go through the process to see how successful they're going to be? We can talk to the organization about that. It's not something that we have required. <coughs> Thank you. Yeah. yeah, and that's a that's a good point. A lot of the work that we're doing uh, with these funds is in partnership with a lot of uh, nonprofit organizations throughout our community. The majority of it is, yes. Yeah. Uh, commissioners, any additional questions? All right, thank you, Ms. Bohach. So if you are here tonight to be heard on this caper or this public hearing, you are welcome to come forward. Again, we ask that you share your name, the city that you live in, and you'll be given up to three minutes to speak. Hello, my name is Emma. Um, I do understand that housing is an incredibly complicated issue. There's a lot of facets. Um, I don't know if you could bring up, it was like the second slide, um, considering the outcomes. Um, but 
I just feel that not enough is being done, particularly in terms of the power dynamic. Um, so actually, um, in my undergrad studies, um, I did a survey of several residents of um, uh, community or neighborhood associations, um, particularly in the Hartside area, and everyone I surveyed, um, while they said that they're very happy to be able to give their voice, there's um, we have a gift in Grand Rapids of a lot of engaged citizens. Um, they feel that their voice is not being used. Um, so this was a couple years ago, but one of the, the biggest ones that glares at me every time I drive down to Vision too is they said it took several years to get one bathroom installed outside um, on Division. Um, bathrooms being incredibly important um, for, you know, just public health, um, but, uh, and for cleanliness and for dignity, um, but for that to take that long is, um, just not okay. Um, and so that goes on to those neighborhood associations. Um, if these people are incredibly engaged um, and offering solutions and feel that the funding from the city is not there, nothing's gonna happen. Um, I've spoken several times, almost every time I come up, about the profit motive and all of these items that the city takes on. Um, so much of it is to beautify the city. So much of it is for commerce and retail. Um, and if just a quarter of those funds were we put towards housing, we would have much better solutions. There, we also, I mean, we do have a rich tradition of nonprofits um, in Grand Rapids, particularly surrounding housing. Um, but in my work, um, the amount of clients that I have that say that while these resources are there, they're unhelpful. Um, not to say that the people um, working at these nonprofits are unhelpful, but the, the funding isn't there. They don't qualify and they end up on the streets anyways, um, or end up with a huge loss anyways. Um, I think the city needs to seriously, seriously reconsider its priorities um, because I don't know how you can prioritize um, getting a raise, um, prioritize um, you know, a venue over somebody having a home. Um, and just my last comment of how homes are so intersecting, having housing is so intersects with healthcare too. So this is a healthcare issue. Thank you. All right, others wish to be heard on this public hearing about our housing and community, community development programs. Hi, welcome. Hello. Hi. My name is Teresa Phillips. I'm in the third ward. Um, I have uh, one question. Um, they didn't touch on the fact that some people who are getting SSI, they get like $900 a month. And then in order to get housing, you have to have so much to qualify for all these low-income housing programs. They're not qualifying. So that puts them on the street. They don't have the deposit to begin with, and that puts them on the street. They never touched upon, in the, in the caper thing here, they never touched upon the um, people that don't qualify for like Section 8, but they're on SSI. So what are they to do? They're gonna be on the street. And winter is always coming in Michigan. You know, we, we look at it, we say, oh, this is summer. But we know winter is coming. 
And um, what else did I want to say? <laughs> I had so many other things in my mind. But, um, just the fact that we've got to get better at helping the lowest one on the pole before we feed or address the pockets of the one on the higher end of the pole. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. All right. Others wish to be heard on this public hearing? Hello. My name is Shannon Tannis, and I'm from the First Ward. Um, I was impacted by um, being thrown into the homeless system by an unlawful, fraudulent um, foreclosure process done in this county. Um, and that was November 2019. Um, I have been oversighting the HMIS system for that long. My engagement to the Essential Task Force, uh, when I recognized that there was a monopoly being created by Michigan Department of Health and Human Services, and um, basically telling the stakeholders how to prioritize and assess who was going to be given um, access to shelter. Um, once I realized this, uh, it quickly came dissolution from that. Um, they became more independent, so that way they can um, represent the people in their private capacity, so that way when the government body tries to tell us to do something that is unlawful, they can advocate and represent properly because they're not being monopolized with the government body for these incentives. Um, furthermore, um, the system does not account for um, homeless people that are being um, dying. Um, only a handful of states do that. Um, also, the youth engagement for um, pregnancy um, is almost completely nothing. And if there is something, the organization just wants to force contract with you with the court to to monopolize on those weaponizations and incentives. Um, uh, I could go on and on. I've already spoke to you guys about a lot of conflicts of interest. There are people that are working in these agencies that are private landlords that are benefiting, selectively picking, and also making a tons of money on the side besides being in their position. Okay. Um, not to mention that these people that own these nonprofit private organizations are catering to their families, which is another conflict of interest. Um, so we have a big policy vetting issue here across the board with everybody's hands into these monies. Okay, and um, so this I'm still working on my full response. Um, I was the one that brought to the community development um, department that the caper report link was broken and asked them to extend the time so that I could uh, finish that. Um, um, I'm very disappointed about the non-engagement that I've gotten, the deflection, the ha further you. harm Thank that you. I've been put through because of this. Thank, Thank you for your comments. Thanks. Appreciate that. Hello, my name is DeAndre Jones. Uh, I like to talk about uh, community development and housing. Uh, first of all, 
I would like to say that any housing that the city is a part of helping developing, can we put solar panels and uh, renewable energy improvements to all of these housings, uh, whether it's a house, whether it's an apartment, whether it's a big apartment uh, complex that you guys build, can we make sure that we are reducing the cost um, and bills that people pay in these houses? Um, let's try to make it affordable. Let's try to make it um, release the burden that people usually have to pay if they're um, going to be uh, purchasing housing that the city helps build. Uh, also, I've seen that there's no neighborhood plan for infrastructure. How about putting some esports labs in our communities, uh, our parks and recreations, uh, so I don't have to volunteer at Link Up because I'm just doing uh, community work and watching a Kia boy smash into a woman's car, um, which was crazy. You know what I'm saying? It was a woman. It was two girls and a baby in the car, and these young kids rolling out here reckless. You know, they smack somebody's car. It was a baby in that car. You know, that young woman probably doesn't have a car. She probably got to get a rental if she doesn't have insurance, and if she does have insurance, the insurance probably does or doesn't cover a rental car. You know what I'm saying? We need to find things that get to the core root of these problems so we don't have groups or, you know, kids like the Kia boys around here. Let's start getting to the core root of these problems, these, these um, inequities, the impoverishment. Let's start actually getting to the core root of these seeds and um, start planting good seeds. Uh, we're in a position here to make this an equitable city. You guys are here in a position to make this an equitable, an equitable city to stop young group organizations like the Kia boys from out here smacking people's cars and stealing people's cars. I just got on Snapchat. This girl had a Kia. She said, my car got stolen. Get me out of this city, <laughs> which is crazy. So uh, I would definitely like you guys to prioritize sustainability, renewable energy, sustainable improvements to housing, uh, affordable housing, community development. There's no infrastructure plan. This year, why is there an infrastructure plan? It should always be an infrastructure plan, especially in the third ward and impoverished neighborhoods and gentrified neighborhoods. Let's look at esports because there's literally city governments building esports labs, and people from like London are going coming to practice at these labs for tournaments. Like that is generating millions of dollars in revenue that can actually contribute to the city. Uh, let's start to be creative. Let's start to look at things that that are creative. That's uh, going with the times. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Jones. All right, anyone else wishes to be heard on this public hearing? My name is Donnie, and I'm a Grand Rapids resident. Since we're talking about housing, it's getting more and more increasingly important that we pay attention to that I, to, to that concept of housing, right? But we keep talking about this concept of affordable housing affordable housing. What does affordable mean to y'all? Because affordable doesn't mean a 12-month wait list. Affordable doesn't mean three times the rent. Affordable doesn't have these insane requirements that it takes in order for them to get into the house. That means you're putting these insane requirements onto people so that you can push the people out, the people that work their backs blood, sweat, and tears in order to get you to the position to where you're at. Since we're talking about affordable housing, I have to talk about the unhoused population that's consistently growing. Constantly. And as said previously, it, winter comes. Winter's already here. It's too late. Instead of pushing our unhoused population out, and let me, let me go ahead and correct myself and verify and explain what I mean by unhoused. I mean somebody who lives outside, whether that's by choice or not. 
and I'll go ahead and back it up even further because I'm going to talk about those requirements. So they don't automatically go out on the streets. You're not automatically just like, oh, I can't pay rent this month. I'm going out on the I'm going out on the streets. You're like, oh, how am I going to pay rent this month? What do I have to do? The things that I have to go and try and do in order to pay rent this month. If we're not talking about making rent le making rent more affordable for the average home, you're not talking about anything. If you're not talking about putting more money into our in-house populations to make it not just sustainable for them to make that an option, but also make it more, what's the word I'm looking for, healthy, address it in ways, give them more bathrooms, give them a shower. You know the one that you got $500,000 to? The one that you got a $500,000 grant and instead you put a bathroom there with a sink and called it a shower. Give them the resources that, it, that they need in order, to, in order to succeed. But what's consistently proven throughout time and time again is that you're not giving resources. You're throwing pennies on a problem and expecting it to change. It's not going to. Be serious. Just like you sit there and you look down your noses and you'd look at us and say, be the change, bring more change. Bring it. People need resources. Resources equals crime prevention, not them. Resources equals crime prevention. The reason why you have people out here with the cars like that is because they do that. Thank you. All right, I'll just wish to be heard. Again, this is on the caper. Hi, I'm Mark from Grand Rapids. This caper project is pretty iffy at best. If you want to create a safe living environment for the family, I have a suggestion. This past summer in Detroit, they had something called the Monroe Street Midway. It was a big, giant project that features all kinds of family activities, art designed by local artists. Everything was free except for the grub trucks that were out there. It was fun and family entertainment, basketball, roller skating, music, the whole schmo. And they had volunteer individuals to provide security so the Detroit police can do what they have to do is to look out for real crime. I don't know if Downtown Grand Rapids has the blueprint or makeup for a project like this, but I think you should think about it. Make it safe and fun for the whole family. That way, you don't have the youth wrangling around doing nothing. Because if the youth don't do nothing, they'll find something. And more often than not, it's usually bad. You know, you should think about it. Because if it, work, if it can work in Detroit, 
it can work here. Thank you. Thank you. All right, others wish to be heard on the housing and community development programs. Good evening. Hi. I'm Libby. I live in the second ward. Um, <clears throat> first of all, I know that you hear that there is a homeless problem in Grand Rapids. I don't know that you all see that there's a homeless pro problem in Grand Rapids. Um, I know where some of you live. I know what some neighborhoods some of you live in. And not that I'm stalking you or anything. But um, I don't believe any of you really live in neighborhoods with a park in it that has children playing in it in the afternoon for their recess that has homeless people living in it. People that are using the park to go to the bathroom in. Um, I don't know that you ha you see that. Like, you know, I see it in my neighborhood. I live by Wilcox Park, which borders East Grand Rapids. And holy cow, we all know where they store their stuff, um, right on the border, you know, so they can find it later on when they come back. And nothing's being done. Um, when I read the, the uh, agenda for this evening, I scrolled through that big long packet you have and the first letter you have is from a law firm downtown here talking about the effects of the homeless on their business. People being accosted, um, you know, having to watch people have sex, them having to have their bathroom, their, their front hallway cleaned several times a week because people are using it as a restroom. That's just the people we see. We don't see the people that are living on somebody's couch with their kids and moving from home to home to home when they've run out their welcome. And I don't see the city being serious about giving them housing. I do not see it. You can build 52 apartment buildings, but as long as we're doing market rate or affordable housing, you're not doing anything to solve the, ho the ho housing problem. Let those go out to Ada and Kentwood. They'll build those. People will live out there. We have people in Grand Rapids that need to stay in Grand Rapids that need a home. They deserve that respect and that dignity. Um, a couple years ago, I was um, able to tour a housing development in Detroit. Um, Cass Community put it together. It's a group of tiny homes. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of it or been able to tour it. It was amazing. They have a whole structure set up. The minister who, whose church really kind of does this, she actually lives in one of those tiny homes with the rest of the community. And they have all these services to teach the people what it means to be in a community because not everybody grew up like I did, you know, with a mom who knew how to unclog the sink and that you have to mow your lawn every week. People need to be taught that sometimes. And they had a great program for that. It's a great model. If Detroit can put it in, I don't know why we couldn't. But thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. All right. Others wish to be heard? Casey Thompson, Third Ward. Housing and community development programs. So I have this client. Her father is elderly, and he couldn't afford his home anymore. So he went to downsize to what you call affordable housing. So my client pays the deposit for them, the security deposit. She pays the movers. She pays first month's and second month's rent. She gets them all set up, right? She gets this whole apartment. There are, everything's there. They're unpacking. There's cockroaches. So they call back the movers. And the movers come. They're looking at the bed. They're looking at the sofa. They're saying, 
actually, this is full. This is infested beyond us putting it back onto our truck. So then they begin to throw all of his stuff away into the dumpsters. So now he's standing outside. He owes the movers for a second move. He's down his security deposit and first month's rent, and he has no furniture. So my client has been messaging you, Mayor Bliss, um, for six months now as her father is still displaced and she's still paying that rent every month, knowing that if she misses a payment, that'll go on her record. That will go into eviction or into court, and then she can't move into anywhere else. So it's already not a great resource for her. She won't get if she doesn't continue to pay. And you're standing outside the building saying, community housing, affordable housing, like red ribbon cutting. That's your pride. Could you message her back? So we're going to build some more of these buildings. What, what are we going to do for LaToya's dad? That's all. All right, others wish to be heard? Uh, my name is Matt. I'm a resident of the Third Ward. Now, in this caper plan, there's a lot of nice sounding things. Emphasis on the word sounding. And, you know, you're probably thinking to yourselves, hey, listen, this is such a great thing. Look what we're doing. And they should be happy. You know, it's better than nothing, right? But all I need to do is look through the items on the fiscal committee, like on this other sheet that is always outside. And just looking at it, it's clear where your loyalty truly lies. The businesses, the wealthy residents of downtown, and the tourists that haven't even started coming here yet. And there's nothing more I can really say on this that hasn't already been said by my fellow community members, or, and they've said it better than I could. So the only thing I'm going to say is to just reiterate you could be doing more. You could be doing so much more. I mean, with all the money you spend downtown and on these jerks over here, like, if you devoted even a portion of that to, like, actual home, like, housing crises home, and homelessness, you could significantly reduce or even end homelessness in this city within... You know, I'll even be generous and say three years. But, and you know you could. You know that. You know, the smug looks on your faces as I say that tell me, yeah, you do know that. But you don't. And, you know, and you know, I could ask how you sleep at night like that, but I know how you do. Y'all sold your soul. Soul for the power to give yourself extra raises a long time ago. And as far as I'm concerned, there's no, there's no hope for any of your humanity left. Close that public hearing period, and that will be referred back to our Community Development Committee. All right, that will take us to our last opportunity for our public hearing tonight, the last opportunity for public comment. Again, we ask that you share your name, the city that you live in. You'll be given up to three minutes to speak. 
My name is Emma. Um, I would have loved to sp spoke like 10 hours on the housing, but um, I'm going to move on because there's just so many issues that you guys can't seem to handle. Um, so I am um, walking in today. I saw um, somebody... I saw the officer who gave one of my comrades a concussion. Um, and I wanted to say this a couple times, but that officer, Melissa Moninger, Melissa Moninger, has a habit of giving people he um, head trauma. Has a pretty bad habit of it. Um, so there's actually a federal lawsuit um, out for her right now. Um, I don't know how, <laughs> that's been out since April, so I don't know how you saw fit for her to protect the community um, when she and four other officers beat a man so badly. I don't, you can see that picture of him. Everybody else can look it up. Um, Mr. Dana. Um, looks like he has a breathing tube in his nose. <laughs> what they've done to him. Um, so much that he had brain damage and a dislocated shoulder. Um, and then of course, again, she gets somebody else brain damage. And you all thought it was okay for her to come even be near people? I was sitting at, the, at my seat and I was like, why am I having trouble breathing? Why am I having, cause I actually, I have trauma from seeing her. From seeing her. When you get, and hardly anything happened to me, I just got knocked down. But knowing that's somebody that dangerous, and you employ her, actually, I want to do read the four other names because I have seen them around. If I can find them, I got 59 seconds. Here they are Anthony Barbarino, Harvey Barker. Zachary Kaiser, Michael Spees, Melissa, Melissa Moninger. I'm going to say those again because I don't want them employed anymore. <laughs> I want them fired. Um, Anthony Barbarino, Harvey Barker, Zachary Kaiser, Melissa Moninger, and Michael Spees. And I bet they can probably hear me because I know at least Melissa's in the back. And she gave me a dirty ass look when she walked up too. I was like, fine, come at me. I'm not gonna hurt you, but you really have pride for what you've done? And these two have pride for working with her, I bet. That's it. All right, others wish to be heard. Good evening, Mayor Bliss, uh, City Manager Washington. Good evening, Commissioners O'Connor, Jones, Isasi, Lanier, and Moody. My name is Stephen Nichols from Ward 1. Thank you all for your time this evening as well as for your service to the City of Grand Rapids. I'm grateful to have had the opportunity to participate in a diverse Greater Grand Rapids dialogue called Conversations on Race. For the past two years, our ongoing discussions have focused on self-education about the history and dynamics of racism while looking for ways to increase racial harmony and justice right here in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Conversations on race has been a judgment-free, safe place within which we could discuss unconscious and implicit bias. You see, 
it's not our fault that we have unconscious or implicit bias, but it is our responsibility to work towards eliminating our personal prejudices. It's a responsibility that we all share, one that becomes especially important when the life or death of a person becomes a factor. <coughs> Since the death of Patrick Leoya, we have written a letter which we hope you've read and you've received and read that offers many more remedies than can be enumerated in a three-minute summary, but which includes equipping the GRPD with unconscious and implicit bias training for police officers and reaching out to enlist the support of police officers who recognize the need for reform of department policies. But in a nutshell, what is the core problem that we're addressing? There are people who are saying that the problem is the police themselves, and yet there are others who are saying that the problem is anything but the police. However, we realize that just as might any other part of our community, the Grand Rapids police need our engagement and support. We realize that the problem of implicit and unconscious bias belongs to all of us. And and it's one that the city must take a leadership role in addressing with meaningful and tangible action to prevent the loss of yet another life. Ultimately, this is on us, all of us. We hope you will consider the initiatives that we have proposed. Thank you again for your time. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. All right, others wish to be heard? Hi, welcome. Hi, I'm David Douglas. I'm Wyoming, Michigan. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to speak with you and with the public as well. Um, I'm here also as a member of Conversations on Race. We advocate for racial justice in Grand Rapids. Um, Conversations on Race was founded on the principles of justice, forthrightness, compassion, and respect. For the past few months, we've been looking into racial problems in the Grand Rapids area. The letter that uh, you've received in the email, we have copies of it here, there are copies in the audience, clearly outlines a few of the problems that um, have been in the news in the past several years that range from ind indignity to brutality to death. As mentioned by my colleague Steve, we understand that implicit bias is something that we all have to reckon with. We all have prejudices we, prejudices we have to overcome. If we hold positions of power, we have to make sure that our decisions don't unfairly impact others. Implicit bias training is something that's necessary not just for police officers, but for every public servant. As the letter points out, we ha all have the responsibility of working together for a just and peaceful society characterized by mutual respect, harmonious relationships, and reciprocity. In order to build communities where these essential requirements are manifest, certain moral, ethical, and spiritual conditions must be carefully cultivated. There must be widespread recognition that we're members of one human family. We must all overcome all forms of prejudice. Now that's, that's race, religion, that's economic, that's education, that's everything. We must change systems that unfairly advantage one group of people over another, the housed versus the unhoused, for example. We must build bonds of mutual understanding and support between 
the police department and especially and residents, especially the African American community. We ask that members of the community, the police department, city, county governments take bold and courageous actions to create conditions that promote justice for all in all their arenas of service. As responsible and respected members and leaders of the, our community, we hope you will support positive initiatives that make a meaningful difference in the lives of the communities that you serve. These initiatives are lined, outlined in the letter. I'm only going to mention a couple here. I've got 16 seconds left. An honest examination of the way that racial prejudice is expressed in policies and practices in our criminal justice system and in our service to the public. We hope that you'll take this letter seriously and take bold and courageous steps towards building a vibrant community characterized by Thank justice you. and harmonious relationships. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Thanks for coming. Good evening. Viola Stevens from Grand Rapids. I have sat in many of these meetings and listened to, listened to the public comment as one after another using vulgar language, racist comments against whites, verbally assaulting and threatening our police, and yet at times even to burn down this city. Yet this commission was not moved. But listing Patrick's criminal history was offensive. We are, it, we are living in a time when the world wants to remove the offensive part of the truth. A time when those that speak the truth are hated, canceled, and silenced. The truth is a threat because it exposes evil deeds and wrongdoing. There is a war between two kingdoms, good and evil. And there is a fundamental difference between what is good and what is evil two very distinct kingdoms. It's not an opinion, it's not what we feel, and it's not what we want it to be. Patrick's criminal history is relevant because it exposes his deeds and his intentions. There is a contrast between the two men on the day of April 4th, two very distinct paths. One man committing illegal acts and unethical deeds over and over, while the other was honored for his excellent record and life of service. One man was attempting to escape the consequences of his wrongdoing, just like he had done times before, while the other man was attempting to make a legal arrest under his given authority. The most dangerous man is the man who has everything to lose. Patrick's deeds put Officer Schur in a very dangerous and difficult situation. Officer Schur had to make a difficult decision that day, sorry, that day, to spare his own life. Officer Schur was justified. My Bible says that there is an evil day coming and we are mandated to fight for the truth. A day when we will have to stand in the midst of relentless opposition and adversity for what is right. That day is here. We are in a war for truth. God is looking for men that will stand in the day of adversity. Men that will proclaim the truth. Men that will fight for the truth. And men that will stand on the truth. I stand on the side of truth, I stand with Officer Christopher Schur, and I stand with the Grand Rapids Police Department. Thank you. Okay. All right. Others, others, don't. Order. Order. Stop. Stop. You know what? 
If you don't agree with her, that is okay. People are allowed to have a different opinion. Stop interrupting or I will ask you to leave. You need to respect that other people may not think like you or have the same opinion. Hi, welcome. Yes, my name is Terry Morris. I'm from the Second Precinct. And, uh, and I'm worried about uh, what I'm seeing in the parks. Um, I am seeing uh, degradation by the homeless, and um, I picked up my share of coloscopy bags, um, adult diapers, clothing that are soiled, got blood on them, got alcohol on them, got vomit on them, or they got animal feces. Um, all these things are in the area that were set aside for people who don't have yards to be able to go to a little sanctuary to have time with their family, to be able to bike, to be able to play ball, to be able to do things that bring community and family together. I'm not seeing that. I'm seeing pieces and parts in Grand Rapids, but I'm not seeing um, the neighborhood associations are having problems getting volunteers. Um, I've been participating with a couple of them, and they send out notices, and they maybe have 15 people offer, but only two or three show up. Um, I think that in all these cases, even the police officer, I've had three generations of police officers in my family. My uncle, um, a relative right now, and uh, his uncle were all sheriffs and police. Um, I want to have somebody to be able to call. Uh, the other night, I was watching cars go the wrong way in front of my house, and we almost had 17 accidents because the cones weren't put up right in a construction zone. And these cars were going fast. I had a Hummer that went past me probably 70 miles an hour on a 30 mile an hour speed limit. Um, I want to be able to call the police and I want to be able to have someone come out and take a report. And I wanted to be sincere, you know, to listen to the facts and record it. I want to be able to have a, a neutral party that I can trust. I've had attempted break-ins on my house. I've had other people who have literally watched your house that are homeless they watch your patterns and things like that, and then they try to break into items on your property. That's concerning. Um, I also see an effort to try to build what they're calling low-income housing. Um, there's a lot of constraints that a landlord has to go through, as well as the other side of reducing the amount of rent that has to get paid. I think all in all, we need to start giving back to our communities. We need to start with our neighbors, talking to our neighbors, and if they see things go wrong, that they report them so that proper methods can be used by third party to be able to find out what happened. We're getting more people that are being shot, stabbed, drove into. Um, I've got uh, bikes and scooters that litter, litter our street all the time as far as they're just being dropped. They don't get back to the station where they're supposed to be dropped. Those are all negative impacts on the neighborhood. So thank, thanks thank for you. your time. Yeah, thank you, Terry. All right, others wish to be heard? Hello, my name is DeAndre Jones. Uh, first of all, I'd like to say 
that I don't just get paid to come to these city commission meetings. I'm a link up fellow. I actually am employed through link up. I do the fellowship. I do 15 hours a month and they pay me a $250 stipend for work that I've already been doing, like volunteering, like community engagement, like attending these city commission meetings. They have a pre-city commission meeting, so I don't just get paid to walk in this building. I actually am an employee for link up and I actually do community work that I've been doing for years. They just happen to see my work and things that I've been doing in the community and offer the opportunity. And that opportunity is coming up again for anybody that wants that opportunity. Just to clear that. But I'd like to talk about a situation that I just experienced. So Friday I was at Social House and a guy fell on his head. And all you heard was he hit his head on the cement and it cracked his head open. And I was the first person to call the police. And I asked him, could they get an ambulance? That was me, DeAndre Jones, if you guys heard that. Police officers. It was two female officers. Uh, I do appreciate them getting an ambulance there because I had to sit there and wave until the ambulance came and got that person. I wish it was that same sense of humility. It was a white man. Like I've always said when I come to these city commission meetings, I don't care if you don't like me. I don't care if you're white, black, Asian, uh, Native American. I don't care if you're Hinduism, Buddhism, Christian. I don't care. Where's the sense of humility when, for people? Because I know people who've died because people didn't respond fast enough. And so I hope that you police officers hear that because that was me who called the police department Friday at Social House and made sure that that person actually got an uh, ambulance so they can get them some, you know, some help. Because this man's head was literally leaking. I can show you the video. I've seen a lot of graphic videos. I'm sure you guys don't want to see that. But I also like to talk about, you know, community development. I just came back from Chicago, my hometown. I was there for this esports convention. I got some resources to uh, build uh, esports lounges and labs. Uh, I'm very ambitious. Um, I'm always here to take action. I'm excited about the participatory budgeting process that the community will eventually be able to vote on those um, things that they like. They'll be able to vote on those soon. So I'm excited to see what the community votes on in all of the wars because that work was a lot of crazy work. Also with the esports lounges, I'll be giving a presentation to our Kent District libraries, uh, to the entire library district because I happen to run into the executive director. I am an author too. So I got some good things coming up in the city and hopefully that I'll be able to inspire people in my I can be able to take on the world. I'm ready to take on the world with my with my leadership, with my business um, abilities, and show the world what I can do. I'm, I'm a global thinker. I don't like to be boxed in. I know I'm I'm in a city where they says the crab in the bucket mentality, but I'm ready to show the world and just people of all walks of life what I can do and my leadership ability. So, like I said, I hope you police officers have a great sense of humility and respond fast enough when people are in uh, in situations where their life is at hands and just slipping away. Thank you. I Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Jones. My name is Donnie, and I live in the third ward of Grand Rapids. I live in Grand Rapids. Here in Grand Rapids, we it's a breeding ground of prosecution for black, brown, and indigenous population. It's a breeding ground of prosecution. You don't believe me? Look in F&E. You don't believe me? They selling, they selling, they selling pills outside of F&E. They selling pills, to, they putting pills in the candy bags to the kids at F&E. And y'all ain't doing nothing. Justice for Patrick, okay? Justice for Patrick. 
Why do we say justice for Patrick? Because evading, evading or avoiding a police officer or running, evading and avoiding police officer is two years probation, not a death sentence. It's two years probation, not a death sentence. Justice, justice for Patrick. Patrick Leoya was killed, shot and killed by Christopher Schur on April 4th at 8.10 a.m. in the morning. Shot and killed without warning, shot in the back of his head. We all know this. But why is it only weighing on the community and not you? We all know the story. But why are we demanding justice and not you? Because it's not yours. Because it's not you, Anita. It's not yours, right? Because it's not you, Mark Washington. Because it's not yours, right? But until it happens to yours, will it awaken your, your subconsciousness that they are not here to protect you. They are there to protect property. They protect property, and it's something that echoes across Grand Rapids because that's what we were talking about, is affordable housing, right? Affordable housing. It echoes across Grand Rapids is because we spend more money on anti-homeless structures than we do helping unhoused, pop, uh, unhoused people live. You care more about where they park their where they park themselves in their tents and, and, and pissing on buildings downtown rather than giving them the build giving them the building and shelter that they need to go and provide and alleviate themselves how they should. Humanely. You want people to stop peeing on your businesses downtown? Give them what they need. You want people to stop stealing cars? Give them what they need. You want people to stop doing crime? Give them what they need. Crime prevention equals resources. I can't say that enough. Because once you give them what they need, they don't have anything to argue about. Once you properly treat them with the health care and mental health, they won't have anything to argue about. Justice for Patrick. Hi, I'm Mark from Grand Rapids. I see the individual who badmouthed Patrick Leoya again. <laughs> Took off like a skedittle kiddo. Because she didn't want to be in the kitchen to take the heat. I'm going to say this once, and I'm going to say it again. His past does not warrant him being shot in the back of the head. Execution style. Period. And if she don't like it, she can lump it. That's all I had to say about that. Now, I'm going to get to Reverend Scott, who's not here. A couple of meetings ago, he was talking about some OBGYN conducting 20,000 abortions. I guess that guy thinks he's Will Chamberlain or somebody. But the truth of the matter is, there were some little kids in here, if I'm not mistaken. They didn't want to hear that. 
Look at Mr. Sassy. You didn't want to hear that. You said it yourself. I think this guy has lost his mind. He wants that building on Fulton for himself. He probably wants to run a brothel for women who are barefoot and pregnant. And you know what that you know what that happened? You know what's gonna happen? Sexual assaults are gonna arise. He needs to be he needs to be looked at. He needs to be checked. Because if not, y'all enabled him to do it. That's not good. Remove Jacob Hoover's name from the FBI building in D.C. Remove George Wallace's name from the Tunnel Mobile, Alabama. Justice for Patrick Leoya, Christopher Shaw, Jalen Walker, and Free Brittany Griner. Thank you. Thank you. Others who wish to be heard? Still Casey from the Third Ward. So I really didn't want to come tonight because. I've been coming to these things for years, and what's came out of it is nothing. And um, I'll I'll talk to other local local organizers, and they'll say, "Go to the commission meeting," and I'll, the police department, and they'll say, "You file a complaint." Just go to the commission meeting. No matter who you talk to or what outlet you try to like find help from, it turns back to you. They turn us back to you, and. It's you, right? Like, we saw Yasasi, right? For example, we saw you at Patrick's, one of his grieving ceremonies, like for the African community, community uh, over on Madison, right? Pretend Emma's me, right? She sees us. She's walking, she's walking, she sees. And on the way back, she walked all the way around to make sure, because you didn't want, because I did, whoa, I'm me and you're you. And, and you're who I get to come ask for help. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. If we come here and we don't get any work done or we are not heard, what, what are we supposed to do? What other outlet is that? If I go home and say nothing, how do I look my black and white daughter in the face and feel like I'm doing her right? So I just keep coming here. We keep watching these movies, right? Me and my kid, we watch robots. And it's like all these robots, they need repair. But then there's the, the people in the big seats. And they're like, no, we don't do repair anymore. We just do new shiny parts. But the robots, they can't afford the shiny parts. And so everybody's just going without. And then if the people in the big seats notice that they're going without, and they'll get scrapped. You know, we watch like Avatar, we watch all these movies that are kid movies, right? We watch even the movie, even the show, The Shy. Have you guys all seen it? The only difference between like the super corrupt big seaters and you guys is that they actually defunded the police in, the sh in Chicago. 
it's just crazy. Like even my kids and me, we can sit and compare you to Disney guy to Disney, and you guys are all the villains every time, and you don't care. But at the end of the movie, the underdog always wins. Always, your term is temporary, right? And so, what are you going to do, Yasasi, when we see you out here and you're not second ward commissioner anymore? You still going to do the long walk around? You still going to give us a disgusted face or say, "You said how I blink"? Did you hear what we said about community resources? Did you hear that? It's just really unfortunate that this is like top tier, best, number one place. Just go to your commissioners, and it's you guys. It's so disappointing. And we'll come up here and talk statistics and everything while the people in the comments say, oh, they've said the same thing over and over, while Viola literally says the same thing over and over. We have the numbers. We're saying the right stuff. Can you just listen? This is the only outlet we have. All right, others wish to be heard. Hello, hello. I'm Ricardo O'Neill. I'm from Grand Rapids, not just no ward, right? So um, I'm only here right now because we're working on this community project called Neighborhood Activation Project. Um, it's been kind of like commissioned by some people in the community that felt like some of these unforgotten areas needed to really be activated. It needs some intentionality about it. So we partner with uh, <clears throat> LinkUp. GRC, uh, Grand Rapids Center for Transformation, uh, Building Bridges, Felons Do It Better, uh, my company, Oric, my um, friend's company, Creative Carvings, and our goal with this project is to beautify and activate residential and commercial spaces in the 49507 black and brown neighborhoods in general. So we want to phase it out one by one, right? And in the process, we want to find the, the, the funding that's available that we know is out there to help these, help these commercial spaces and these residents to provide them with the service work that they can't afford, right? Because the funding is all there. And in the process, what we want to do is we want to find black and brown service workers in these areas that have micro jobs and give them the stipends to do the work for the community. So collectively, we are doing it together, right? And um, it's just a call for everybody should be involved. Like, if, if, if our mission is to make the city better, and I know what it takes to make the city better, and I've sat down with most of all of y'all in some capacity, so I know what can get done and what can't get done. So just example, on the first week, we had limited, we had a limited staff. We had limited volunteers, right? So our, 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 our crew was probably like 10, right? We did six streets. Um, six residential homes, um, two open spaces, and provided five service workers went up, up to $950 in one day in our community. So we want to continue to do this to activate the space so that we can get the equity in the black and brown community to look like it's supposed to look. And if it don't look like it's supposed to look, of course, the next move, chess move, is they sell because it doesn't look like anything they want. So they're going to get rid of it to get cash to get something that they want. So that's why they sell. So we need to help keep the equity in our community, our whole city. You know what I'm saying? It's collective. It's a collective task. You know, it's just not, I'm from the second ward, I'm from the third ward. No. The only way the city get the right ambiance is if the whole city is doing the right thing. Not just portions of the city, not pockets, not places that we seem like this will benefit us to today. You know what I'm saying? We need to figure out what's the long game because at the end of the day, the aggression, the frustration, you know what I'm saying, that we hear is, is, is all a collective, it's, it's, it's a culmination of all those factors. But at the end of the day, you know, y'all are with me and I'm smiling at y'all. I just want some help to do the work that we need to do. Thank you.
Hello, my name is Shannon Tanis and I'm from the First Ward. Uh, I wanted to finish up on the CAPER um, aspect. Um, while I've been in the homeless system, I was um, uh, impacted by my daughter's educational rights being uh, violated locally in this county. I filed a civil rights uh, complaint in the state and federally. The state, by no surprise, denied me, but federal has opened arms for me to actually file an affidavit notarized statement uh, at my leisure, um, which also was before this current um, funding for uh, the homeless. The American Rescue Plan was based off the McKinto-Vinto Act, which was cited in my civil rights a complaint. The reason why I did that was because the homeless liaison officers through the schools have no training, no concept or idea how to help individual student, let alone their family, within the HMIS system. Okay, so I'll put that aside. Um, could go on about homeless system and deficiencies forever. Um, but moving on to the fact that um, data. Uh, data across the board, we have so many avenues with the city's website, uh, especially with the calendar. There's a citizen calendar, there's a calendar for a portal here, there's department portals, you know, it's all over the place. And I also went to a community engagement with uh, GR Inc. this past uh, week, and um, that was one of the things they reiterated too, is not having uniform communication um, and, and it be centralized. Uh, also, that was another thing that I uh, recognize with 211. There's outdated aspects of information on that uh, resource um, that are not even accurate in providing those services. Not to mention, we're moving on to parking again with the Moto app. With everything that I just got through done and oversighting with the comp controller, I was able to charge for the Labor Day holiday on the Moto app. And then when I went to try to process payment for today, the Passport app wouldn't allow payment. And so uh, Jennifer Casper engaged me um, about that today and they were trying to figure that out. But I'm really quite baffled. I mean, I thought we extensively went over why and what was going on with the app and why people were being charged holiday pay. So um, it's just redundancy and quite frankly looks very incompetent. But I really appreciate Jennifer's engagement to me today. So thank you. Thank you. I'll try not to speak for the full three minutes. Um, I didn't get to say earlier something about housing that I think is really important for you guys to understand. I was talking to my neighbor who's a transplant from Chicago, and we were talking about the nonprofits here in Grand Rapids. And he reminded me that the NFL is a nonprofit. And we have some nonprofits that work in housing in Grand Rapids that are, they are using their past, the, the things that they've done in the past, and they are considered to be noble and good in their pursuits. But I would suggest that there are a few, um, a, a fairly large one here in the city, that after their previous um, CFO or whatever he was retired, that perhaps their agenda and the things that they thought were important sort of changed. Like their whole mission seemed to change a little bit. I don't think that that was something they publicly changed, but 
Um, they're not necessarily, they, I mean, they're the biggest one that we have. I'm not going to name them. You know who they are. Um, I, I know a lot of people that work for them. Um, and I just, I had known the previous executive director, and I know that they have changed how they operate and what they want to do. Um, also, I just kind of wanted to mention a little bit with your computer system. I've been a, <laughs> I'm bad at paying my bills, okay? I don't always remember to do that. And I've gotten in some trouble with the water bill here in the city of Grand Rapids because some months or some, you know, we, we get charged quarterly. And some, some quarters, you, the app lets me say, just take $33 out of my checking account every month. This month, it won't let me. So I either have to pay the full fee or I have to, and this is a first world problem, I know, I have to remember to pay it every month. And it's the only bill that I don't automatically pay because I like to stay on top of, because there have been some problems with like the garbage billing and stuff like that in Grand Rapids. So I like to stay on target on what I'm being charged. And I don't understand why it changes from quarter to quarter. I mean, years ago, you used to be able to always get it taken out of your checking account every month. And then you guys went to this new pay it program. And then it wouldn't do it. It just seems like there is no consistency with how the city works with the computers. It just doesn't. I mean, I, you know, I know that like the court wanted to have a, their own computer system so we can never gel up with the county's computer system. I mean, you know... I don't know why we like to do things the hard way. That's what it feels like to me. It feels like we're doing things the hard way, always wanting to reinvent something that doesn't need to be reinvented. So, sorry. Thank you. We'll follow up on that. All right, we'll go ahead and close that public comment period, and I'll turn to my colleagues. I'll start down here with uh, Commissioner Moody. All right, Commissioner Jones. Thank you, Mayor, and I want to uh, thank everyone who came out on this evening, those who spoke as well as those who didn't, uh, just being present. Um, appreciate it. I wanted to lift up a few things from this morning that came from our annual performance report uh, that I think are, are worthwhile, and one in particular is the continued growth in uh, construction contracts being awarded to MLBEs, uh, which stands for uh, which is essentially uh, minority-owned uh, business enterprises within the city. And those numbers keep going up in terms of opportunities for businesses owned by people of color uh, doing work with the city of Grand Rapids. Also wanted to lift up uh, the number of, uh, I know we talk quite a bit obviously about housing and uh, years ago was very much uh, active in the, in the work of making sure that we had something in place that spoke to compliance when it came to rental properties. And so uh, we've had 3,100 uh, certificates of compliance were issued for rental properties with 95% of all Occupy rental dwellings certified by co-compliance, which I think is a, is a pretty big deal. Also, I'd ask this morning that if we can continue down the path of informing uh, the public about uh, the issue around lead and that when we talk about Grand Rapids, uh, the lead that we are dealing with uh, is primarily in the paint uh, of homes in terms of the, the, the high lead content within our community, not within our water, and that we are working diligently to replace lead service lines. And uh, we have uh, a total of 2,300 lines replaced since 2017, uh, with uh, quite a few uh, lead service lines completed in the third ward. And lastly, I want to lift up something that I think is critically important. I'd like to see, obviously, more of it. I think this is actually part of the answer when it comes to the issue around uh, community violence, and that is um, 
the fact that uh, for the course of the summer, we were able to host uh, summer camps uh, for youth at Garfield Park, Joe Taylor Park, Roosevelt Park, and MLK Park uh, with nearly 500 participants. Again, I think that we would do well in making sure that we do all that we can either to provide that service or help to support those uh, organizations within our city who provide those types of services for our young people. So thank you. Yeah, thank you, Commissioner. All, all good highlights uh, from today and the work we're doing. And I'll just add that the lead work we do in partnership also with the county and the county health department, uh, we've been working with them for their lead action team for a couple of years now. So. Uh, Commissioner O'Connor? No, uh, Commissioner Lanier? Yes, thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Jones, for that recap. Um, I have in my notes um, simply to thank the city manager and staff for the presentation um, to provide that status report. I think it's important to, to be able to check in to see where we are with our strategic planning goals. Um, and then I'd just like to thank everyone for coming out tonight and the input and the comments that we've heard, um, especially the um, public hearing um, regarding the caper and the input that's been given there. Thank you for that. Um, and thank you, Connie, for um, making the adjustment to extend the deadline in response to Shannon's feedback about the link um, not being work, working properly. And thank you, Shannon, for even um, bringing that to our attention so that we can make sure that we're being as transparent as possible. Have a great evening. Thanks. Commissioner. Thank you, Mayor. Um, thank you to all who came out um, this evening and earlier today. I wanted to highlight a couple of things. Um, Commissioner Lanier, I had Ms. Bohodge in the Community Development Department. I feel like um, every couple of weeks I've been sending a little note from other people who have kudos to share and, and sharing that with Ms. Barons as well. So thank you um, for providing that. And I think the more we can do that in this evening meetings, um, I know today was a public hearing, would be, I think, especially beneficial. Um, in our fiscal committee, we highlighted um, accepting uh, a grant award from the Michigan Department of Natural Resources for the Leonard to end and segment. Um, so I was happy to see that, as well as um, the Water Careers Program with GRCC to encourage more individuals to come into our skilled trades here at the city. Uh, there continues to be a number of things happening um, in our city this weekend. will include a couple of things here downtown, Fiesta Mexicana, and also the East Town Street Fair that will be happening on Saturday. Have a good night. Thanks, Commissioner. Uh, city Clerk? Just uh, some election reminders. Um, we're about two months out from the November election. Uh, absentee ballots will be going out at the end of the month. Um, if you want to apply for an absentee ballot, it's easy to do online at michigan.gov forward slash vote. We did have changes to um, district lines for House and State House, Senate, U.S. House, and County Commission. So know before you go, go to michigan.gov forward slash vote. You can update your voter registration there as well. So it just makes things easier on Election Day for you um, and for our staff and our, and our volunteers and workers. So um, just a little... Uh, Plug to, to go out to check out michigan.gov forward slash vote. Thanks. Thanks, City Clerk. Uh, City Attorney? City Manager? <clears throat> Thank you, Mayor. Thank you, Commissioners, for your work. Today I want to um, express my appreciation to the staff and all the work uh, that was uh, put into compiling the annual performance report. And I express my appreciation this morning and encourage the public to uh, go online and to either watch the presentation or to uh, look at a copy of the report and look at the uh, many outcomes that uh, we have over the past fiscal year. 
And we also recognize that there's much more work to do, but I am grateful for both staff as well as community partners in helping us um, do this work. I also um, am very encouraged by what I heard tonight um, with the Neighborhood Activation Project. And I want to thank uh, Ricardo for uh, lifting that up, particularly at being place-based focus in uh, 49507 zip code, along with other efforts that the uh, city is doing, uh, particularly uh, the uh, DICE effort, as well as some of the other uh, programs that we're looking at to really try to make sure that we're intentional about investment. And I want to thank the Office of Equity Engagement for collaborating with them and uh, felons do it better. And looking forward to seeing the outcome and seeing uh, if efforts like uh, this can be replicated throughout our community. So I'm looking forward to learning what uh, facade improvements, home repair services, uh, and other things that will uh, come. It seems like it's in line with some of the goals of the Third Ward uh, Equity Fund, and uh, we'll be uh, discussing it uh, when we, hopefully we'll have those results when we're discussing some of those uh, fund opportunities. Thanks, City Manager. I'll add a few thanks. One, uh, thanks to City Manager and the team for the update today. I really appreciated getting that. I'll also thank Ricardo for coming out tonight, um, but also for all the work that you do in the community. Really appreciate your partnership. Uh, we, we did just receive your letter, so thank you for following up and coming tonight, uh, and we'll make sure that we follow up on that. Uh, so appreciate you being here. Uh, and then I also want to just highlight that this morning we kicked off Welcoming Week. So the work that we're doing in partnership with the county and a number of community partners for the Gateways to Growth effort. Uh, and really just want to thank Stacy Stout for her leadership in that work. And uh, it's really been a community partnership effort. Uh, and thinking back to when we started that effort to where we are today, uh, especially with now having a full-time staff helping with that work through the county, um, I'm hopeful that we're going to see some significant progress uh, to implement the goals set out in the welcoming plan. So I just want to elevate that. Uh, the next week there will be a lot of events highlighting that work, and hopefully you'll learn more about those efforts. Uh, and with that, we're adjourned. <laughs>